Welcome back to the 6 a.m. Run Podcast. As always, great to have you here. My name is Mark Paisant. I am the host of the show. And like always, this show is brought to you by 6 a.m. Run, where you can go to 6amrun.com to see and find and buy the world's best running supplements with over 10,000 five-star reviews. And if you sign up, you can find a way to get 20% off of your first order. Today, we have a really good show for you. We have Trish McDonald on the show, and she is going to talk to us a little bit about what she does, who she is, a book that she has written. So if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and introduce yourself to the world, Trish. Okay. I'm Trish McDonald, and I am a 6 a.m. writer, not runner. So I'm up early in the morning doing my writing. I'm retired now, but during my career, I was a nutritionist. And in 2015, I started to get a little bit concerned about my health. Uh, Some of my numbers were starting to go up. And I started to create a program called the Gut Class. And so I helped, was helping people in my community try to get healthy because the old saying, the Hippocratic Oath, the, what Hippocrates says is all disease begins in the gut. So probably, well, I don't know, maybe within five months, maybe less, maybe a little less, all of my numbers were back where they should be. And one morning, my bow came out and he said, you know, ever since you've been working with the gut class, even your voice has changed. And I said, what? He said, you might not be aware of it, but you have a sense of determination. You have like a purpose. And so your voice has actually changed in its tone. And what happened was I was really starting to get courage. And when you look at some of the data and research and statistics on gut health, it's all connected to the brain. And so it can actually change how you think and how you feel and how you act. And it gave me the courage to write a book I had wanted to write my whole life. So... Thank you for that. And we are going to get into that book, but I kind of want to touch on exactly what you've been talking about right now. Can you kind of, you don't have to tell us everything because I'm sure there's a lot involved, but do you remember specific examples of of the things that you changed, the thing that you did to really focus on your gut health, which kind of cascaded the rest of the improvements in your life? Well, the obvious, which of course, probably all of your listeners are doing is cutting back on sugar and you know, the carbs, the uh, simple carbs. So of course you're going to do that, but you're also going to start to bring into your lifestyle probiotics and prebiotics. So probiotics are pretty well known. Everybody knows about yogurt and kefir and kombucha. The prebiotics are like the miracle grow for the probiotics. So the prebiotics are uh, seeds and nuts and onions and garlic, 
there are lists of the different prebiotics. When you combine the two, it makes a huge difference in your microbiome. I actually had my microbiome tested probably about, maybe it was within a year that I started teaching this class, and I was in the 89th percentile of diversity. So what they're looking for is the bacteria in your gut to be diverse. The more diverse the bacteria is, the healthier you are. And I'm all about longevity. That's the time, that's where I am in my life. And I don't want to just live long. I want to be healthy long. So it's the difference between lifespan and something we call health span. How many years will you actually be healthy? And I love that. And I'm sure, like you mentioned, a lot of people have not really done research into prebiotics. And I'm glad you mentioned that. So, because personally, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to look into those now because this is probably the first time I've, it's really been explained to me the way you just explained it. So from here, you, you, know, you have some numbers tested. You don't like what you're seeing. You want to live long. You want to live a healthy life. And you decide one day, I'm going to write a book. Is that kind of how it happened? Well, I, you know, it's so interesting because I had a book in my mind, but you just don't publish a book. You don't wake up one morning and publish a book. What happened was really interesting. I entered a contest and I won the contest and I, what I won was a week in a retreat in Vermont and it turned out that I was one of six people to be in something they called the book deal, in which one lucky writer would win a book contract. So I did everything I had to do. I created a manuscript. I did a book cover. I had a marketing plan. And the topic of my book kept me a little bit anxious because the book turns out to be about diversity, not the diversity in the gut, but the diversity within genders in our population. My book is called Paper Bags. It's a transgender love story from a time when I was in in the Keys and I had just left a marriage and I wanted to go where Hemingway wrote. So I did. And I met some wonderful people and I learned a lot about their stories. And I thought someday I'm going to write this story. But I didn't know if I had the courage to write a story like this at my age in the state of Florida. So here we are. And I've written it. I got the book contract. And now I didn't really know how I was going to connect the book to the kinds of work that I was doing until I dug deep enough to see how important diversity is in everything, in every part of our life, the plants, the food we eat, and the diversity among the people, the human population is important for the whole health of the world. So I took that that gut class 
where I got the courage from. And I wrote the book, and now I'm talking about the book, and I'm promoting the book. Okay, and again, I want to make sure I have that correct. That book is called Paper Bags, is that correct? That's correct. Paper Bags, and I see that childhood trauma plays a part in this book, is that correct? It is correct. Can you kind of explain that part? First, I I know it's not, childhood trauma is never black and white, but I kind of want to uh, you to explain, you know, you kind of got into the origin story of the book, but why introduce childhood trauma into this book? What does that mean to you? Do you have any personal experiences with it? Well, I do have personal experiences. I grew up in the 50s and beatings were a regular thing. It wasn't a big deal. And I don't think I really thought about it as a big deal. However, It did change who I was because when I was 12, I decided to be perfect, that I would smile and I would be perfect. I'd be the perfect daughter. I'd go on to be the perfect wife. I'd be the perfect mother. And so that was how I led my life. And when all of a sudden I realized that I had needs that had never been fulfilled, I didn't know what to do. And so I thought everything was perfect, that my life was perfect. But when someone asked me, but what do you need? It occurred to me that I'd never asked myself that. So the trauma is, it's a soul wound. And when you have a deep soul wound, it can affect the rest of your life. I could have gone on all my life being trying to be perfect, trying to be the perfect wife, trying to be the perfect employee. And after a while, you get to the point where you just you can't do it anymore. At least for me, I, I couldn't do it anymore. So I left my marriage. And I thought I was going to be okay. And then I met this rambling kind of guy. And he was all about no rules at all. And I fell hard and later found out that uh, he actually had nicer lingerie than I had. So it turned out that um, he had the heart and soul of a woman and now I'm, I don't know what to do. I thought, well, I need to run away. I, I need to run away from this. I don't understand this. I followed rules all my life. I was perfect. I wasn't sure if there was perversion. I mean, it was 20 years ago, but I didn't know how to deal with it. There was no such thing as same-sex marriage at that time. I had no idea about gender fluidity issues. And Then I I had the desire, I had the love and the desire, and the curiosity. As a writer, I'm very curious, and I thought, what is this all about? I had no idea that people lived like this, that men dressed as women. I didn't understand any of it, but I decided to follow my curiosity. And so that's what the book is about. Well, that is... It's quite an interesting journey. And I know people listening are probably like, what does this have to do with running or fitness? And I think uh, you brought up a good point in regard to childhood trauma and 
that leading you to try to be that perfect person. There's some people listening to this that use fitness and use running to kind of run away and, and mask some Absolutely. of the childhood trauma. People use, you know, they can use fitness, they can use alcohol, they can use, in your case, you had that complex, that perfectionism, that probably a little bit of imposter syndrome that was caused due to things that happened before you were even a teenager. And so whether someone's using running, you know, being that perfect person, any type of drug or alcohol, do you remember or can you talk a little bit about that moment? I don't know if it was a gradual moment or a precise moment where you kind of said, okay, I can't do this. This is too hard and it's unfair and I need to do something different. Do you remember that moment? Was it gradual? How did that happen? I remember. I remember the exact moment. I'm a kayaker. Of course, I kayaked in the Keys all the time. I had the opportunity to, to go on a kayaking trip to Italy off the coast of Sardinia. And I went and I was challenged beyond anything I had ever experienced before. We were kayaking in the Mediterranean Sea. The swells were so high, I could not even see the rest of the party. I couldn't see the uh, shore. I was a good paddler. I was a strong paddler. So I, I wasn't too worried. But every time I would look to try and see the shore, in the distance, all I could see, I kept seeing the same thing. Like I wasn't getting anywhere. I wasn't making any progress whatsoever. And when I finally uh, started to paddle sort of at an angle, which is what is what they teach you when you're in a bad situation, I finally was able to get to the shore and I fell on the shore and I just, I started to sob and I thought, I did this. I can do anything. I can do anything that I need to do. I can leave my husband. I can make it on my own. I'm strong and I can do it. And that's when I knew that I had probably overcome all of that unworthiness, the shame, all those pieces that go with perfectionism. Because perfectionism, you know, the twin of perfectionism is shame. You know, we're trying to cover up shame. And so when I was able to do that, I knew that I was strong enough to be able to do anything. And first of all, that's an amazing story. And I think if no one's ever heard this before, and, and I want to make this crystal clear, is that, you know, when we as humans, as individuals, as men, women, fathers, wives, husbands, you know, whatever, when we try to set a goal, you know, we want it to be attainable. Like that's how we show progress. That's how we show success. And perfection is impossible. It's unattainable. And in your case, and like many people's cases, when we're always striving for the impossible, that just leads to copious amounts of stress, frustration, heartache, where we just, we get to a point where we hit that breaking point. And it seems like with that story, figuratively and literally, you hit that point. So anyone listening who 
is running for something or thinks they always have to improve to get to an you know unattainable goal. I think, you know, re-listen to what, you know, Trish just said. Re-listen to that story because there's so much you can take out of it. So since this time, you've decided to prioritize yourself, decided to prioritize your health, decided that you want to write this book, decided that you want to live a long and happy life. Looking back, someone in your shoes, you know, that may be in the middle of this process, if you can tell them a couple things, and I, I know hindsight is twenty twenty. I understand that. But there's probably a couple people listening to this that this resonates. I'm going through that right now. I'm trying to be the perfect wife. I'm trying to be the perfect child. I'm trying to be the perfect runner. I'm trying to be the perfect employee. What do you say to that person right now? Well, I think that the problem with the perfectionism is that you can't love yourself. And if you can't love yourself, the chances that you're going to be able to love someone else are really slim. And so the whole idea of loving yourself enough to put your own needs first, that's a really hard thing. That's a really hard thing to get to. And so for me, it it comes really late in my life. Would I have loved to have been able to have learned some of the lessons earlier? I didn't learn the lessons because I didn't believe that I had courage. I thought courage skipped me. I thought courage went from my mom to my daughter and that somewhere I got left out. And then as I made the trip, the kayaking trip by myself across the world, you don't have to to take a kayaking trip across the world. That's totally unnecessary. But for some of us who are so deeply mired in our own unworthiness and trying to be whatever perfect woman we think we need to be, we've got to be able to just love ourselves and to get over whatever the shame and those feelings of unworthiness that keep us trapped because perfection is a trap and it's not a helpful trap. And sometimes you have to take a risk, a little bit of a risk in order to find out that you do have you do have courage and whether the risk is uh running down the you know the street four or five blocks further than you normally go if you do those kinds of things a little bit every day and start to believe in yourself i think that over time you will start to get the courage to be able to to change the way you you feel about things. And I'm glad you kind of wrapped it into to running because that's exactly what I was thinking about. I'm, I'm like, you know, it for the person listening who says, well, I'm just not a risk taker. Hey, the first time you laced up those shoes and went outside for a run or got on the treadmill, that was a risk. You took a risk. Trish, the first time you sat down and, and put pen to paper or, or started writing your book, that was a risk. You know, it's, it's big risk. The thing about risk is that we take them every day and we don't realize it. It's that conscious risk that we take that scares 
a lot of people and, and, you know, the unconscious risk we take of just getting up in the morning and getting ready and going to work and deciding on, you know, what you're going to like those unconscious risks are, are everybody's fine. But once you decide that you need to better yourself and I don't mean better yourself that you're doing a bad job at something, but I mean, truly start prioritizing your feelings, prioritizing the person you are and the person you want to be, which is exactly what it seems like you did. And I'm sure the first time you got on a kayak, you, I'm sure it wasn't easy peasy for you when you, when you first tried that, what was that like? Well, I had a really bad experience. I went on another trip uh, to Mexico, which I do talk about in the book. And the very first thing they do is the emergency exit drill. So you are in the kayak and the people who are running the expedition have you sitting there and they, they rock the kayak and turn it completely over. And you have to exit the kayak and of course, save your, save your life. I was in a kayak that was a little bit too tight for me and my hips got caught and I couldn't get out and I'm underwater. And luckily I did not panic. I was able to push down, down on what I th- because if I kept trying to come up out, I, I was squished. So I pushed down on one butt cheek and up on the other, and I did come out. But it was terrifying. It was a terrifying experience. But that's part of when you go on an expedition, you have to know, should something happen, what am I going to do? How am I going to get out? So that was, that was a humiliating experience when I came up and I looked at the people that were in the expedition. Now talk about shame. I wanted to just die. I thought, oh, they, you know, they think I'm fat. I, they think I'm, you know, I can't possibly go with them on this trip. So that was a real rough time, a real rough start for that kayaking expedition. But I think one of the things to remember, and I've learned that this from writing this book, is the importance of being vulnerable and being okay with being vulnerable. Sometimes when we are vulnerable and we say, I'm hurt or I'm feeling badly or I think I might want to cry here after I after I come up out of this water. People come to befriend you. People don't want to necessarily be around someone who's perfect. They don't want that. They want a friend who's willing to be open, who's willing to be vulnerable, who's willing to tell them, you know what? I got beat when I was 12. And when I went to the gym class, I had to cover up the bruises. And, you know, maybe this didn't happen to you, but it happened to me. And so I think that vulnerability piece is real important, too. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Well, thank you, Trish, so much for being part of the show. And as mentioned, Trish is the author of the book, Paper Bags. And it is a story of self-discovery, metamorphosis, and gender equality. 
how can people purchase this book? How can they get some more information on you? How do they find you online? Uh, They can go to my website, trishmcdonald.com. And if they scroll down, they'll see the Gutsy News, my newsletter. If they join my newsletter, I'll send them six weeks of healthy recipes, gut healthy recipes. And the book is available on Amazon. Uh, you can get it as an ebook or as a uh, printed copy. Thank you so much, Trish, for being a part of the 6 a.m. Run podcast. As always, it is brought to you by 6 a.m. Run and 6 a.m. Run.com, where you can go to find running supplements. And if you sign up for this product, which has over 10,000 five star reviews, you can get 20% off of your first order. Trish, thank you so much. And here's to a long and healthy life. Thank you, Mark. The same right back to you. 